But uh, I say, I'm glad you're here. That's a proper thing to say. But uh, it's deeper than that. I uh, wish I could shake hands with every one of you. We care about you. We've been uh, praying uh, over these services and over your classes and over you uh, during these weeks. We're praying about the virus and protection for you and, and for all of us. But uh, we, we need to get together. And uh, I'm glad for this time. So thank you. Thank you for being here. <clears throat> We're looking at Acts chapter 5. We're starting a new, a new, uh, a new study this morning. And it's Acts chapter 5. And it's from verse 1 down through 11. And again, I want to encourage you, if, hey, if you, uh, if you would, just uh, grab a Bible sometime along the, way, along the week and just uh, read it and go over it. Uh, we're going to be probably spending uh, lots of weeks in going over this material. And the purpose of this morning is to give you an overall view of it. Uh, we're conceptual in our approach to the Scriptures. In other words, the Bible was not written as, as giving us history, so we're not taking it, we're not approaching it as a historian would to find out what historical facts are available. We're, uh, the stories are not there for that fact. We're not a scientist looking at the book to find out scientific investigation. That's not what we're about. We're conceptual. So we're looking at this and saying, hey, what, why did he put it here? What's the purpose of the story? How does it fit into the message he wants to give? He is giving you a concept, a reality of truth, a principle, a theme, a big idea, uh, whatever word you want to use. But he's giving you that. And we want to find that because every verse, every section of the passage focuses and reveals and gives stability to that principle, that theme, that concept. So normally we would not read 11 verses. It's too long. You get distracted and lose track. But uh, we're going to do that this morning. We probably won't ever do that again uh, in, 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 in dealing with this passage. But I want you to get the story. Listen to this thing. A certain man named Ananias with his Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. He kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have lied to men, not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door. They will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in, 
found her dead, carried her out, buried her with her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> oh Lord, spare us. <laughs> and we do come to you today, Jesus, uh, deeply aware of our need and deeply aware that we don't have a chance outside of you and that, Lord, we want to know truth and we want to know it from this passage as you have put this here by the inspiration of the Spirit and want to say something to us. And I know you haven't just come this morning uh, to speak to the folks gathered here. You have come to speak to me. Uh, I pray for a deepening of your word in my own personal heart. And I pray for a revelation of truth to my mind and my heart as well as to all of us here. We pray for an outpouring of the Spirit of God and for you to give us liberty to respond to you as you call us into a deeper walk with yourself. We pray for an overshadowing of your presence and for a force field of who you are to be all around us and to protect us from all the virus and all the stuff that's going on in this day and give us liberty to worship together and celebrate you. So we offer this service to you today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Uh, you realize that chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, 5, probably into 6, maybe 7, are all clustered in Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem is a city that runs about 250,000 in population normally. Uh, the temple's there. It's the citadel where uh, everybody comes. It's the center point of worship. Uh, you realize in Babylonian captivity, for instance, Daniel prayed looking east. Why? Because that's where Jerusalem is because that's where God is. So Jerusalem was really the heart, throbbing heartbeat of all of the Israel Jewish movement. Now, something has been going on in Jerusalem, obviously. Uh, Jesus has come there ministering, ended up crucified. These guys, Ananias and Sapphira, and this whole early church scene that are found in this chapter, were involved probably in that crucifixion. It hadn't been that long. So they participated. They were probably in the crowd yelling and screaming, hey, crucify him. They saw Jesus, hey, with his beard ripped out by its roots. They were involved in that whole scene. They also probably were aware and maybe experienced the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, when you go to chapter 1, you realize there's 120 of them who are just absolutely out of their gourd. I mean, they are, whoo, they are in. I mean, they are absolutely captured because they have experienced the resurrected Jesus. It says that they spent 40 solid days with him and that would be absolutely convincing. In other words, you couldn't talk them out of it. They were absolutely convinced Jesus is alive. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the one we've been looking for and they're absolutely mesmerized by this Jesus and they talk about him. They're thrilled about him. They've given their whole life set everything else aside and they focused and they're all in they've jumped in completely they're absolutely sold out they're done with everything else hey all that they've learned up to the past the Old Testament the law structure all of that hey has all been somehow brought together in the focus on the person of Jesus Christ their message as it thunders through the New Testament is going to be this Jesus and more about this Jesus they are absolutely convinced in fact when the persecution came Peter said what do you want us to do? 
You want us to, hey, how can we not talk about what we've seen? How can I unsee what I've seen? <laughs> See, what am I supposed to do with this? And I feel a little that way too. I mean, hey, I nailed it at all their prayer. Jesus changed my life and I've never been the same and he's gotten closer and closer. What do you want me to do with this? How, how, well, you, what can I say? You want me to say, he doesn't live. Why? He does live. Why? Because I saw him. I, I embraced him. See, these guys were absolutely all in. 100% absolutely captured. I mean, absolutely. They had given their whole lives to this Jesus. Jesus then ascended. Said, hey, hang tight because we're moving to a new level. What you've got is good, but whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> wait till you get into this. And he moved them into Pentecost. So they waited in Jerusalem, experienced Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Again, in Jerusalem, bunch of Jews, 120 of them. Now, all of a sudden, everything that was going on in Jesus was going on in them. Now, think about that. So the intimacy that the Father and Jesus had, now they had it with Jesus through the same Spirit. So as God the Father had literally merged with Jesus, the man, so now that same spirit, Father, had merged with these 120. And they were, whoa, if we thought what we had was good, whoo, we've moved to a new level. This is, I mean, they're out of there. They're just out of it. They are just all in. They're 100%. They're total in this thing. They've abandoned themselves. They've only got one thing going on in their lives. And they have experienced, in fact, Peter stands up uh, to, before a group of people when Pentecost happened and said, let me explain this to you. And he, get, he preached. And he looked them right in the eye because, see, this had only been 50 days from the crucifixion. So he looked at this crowd and said, you crucified Christ. And they had. You yelled and screamed. Right. You were against him. You want to know what you need to do now? Hey, you need to turn around and go the other direction. You need to change your mind and you need to embrace that Jesus. The Jesus that you crucified, you need to uncrucify him in your heart and mind. The Jesus you rejected, you now need to embrace with your total being. The Jesus that you pushed aside, you must now come to in total commitment. As you gave yourself totally against him, now you must give yourself totally for him. And they repented and did that, and 3,000 got saved. Now, they're all Jews. You understand? They're all probably Jews, and they're all in Jerusalem. So this is all in one city. This is not a worldwide deal. This is just clustered right here in Jerusalem. This little group, now we've moved from 120, we've moved to 3,000. So Luke stops in chapter 2, and you can turn there if you want, in chapter 2 and says, by the way, let me give you a state of the union of the church. What's going on in the local church? What's happening? Now, we don't know time period, so we don't know, was this six months later? Was this a year later? Was this five years later? I guarantee you it wasn't five. I guarantee you it wasn't years, it was months. But anyhow, however that is. In chapter 2, verse 41, for instance, he gives this state of the union of the church and says, let me tell you what's going on in this group that's clustered in Jerusalem. Uh, 3,000 souls were added to the church that day after Pentecost. And, when they, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. In other words, they were being taught. They were learning. They were sitting. They had meetings. They had gatherings. They got together in the Word. They talked about it. The apostles explained things to them. They talked about Jesus. The whole thing was expanding. And they were deepening in their faith because they're all out, see? They're all in. They've jumped in with everything they've got. And here they are. 
They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Fear came upon every soul. Uh, you go on down. Now all who believed were together, had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. And you'll look at the end of the chapter 2. It says that they were praising God, finding favor with all the people. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Yes. So the church was growing. Now, we don't know how many they had, how, what the growth. They had 3,120, we know that, and it began to grow. Then, in chapter 4, or chapter 3, you have this lame beggar thing. Uh, Peter and John are used to heal, uh, uh, to bring healing to this lame beggar. And that tipped the scales and persecution started. They pulled Peter and John into, uh, into prison and in before the court. And when they brought them into the court, hey, they threatened them. Don't you dare ever talk about Jesus again. Now the issue is Jesus. Do miracles? We don't care. Have suppers? We don't care. Compassionate ministry? We don't care. Give toothpaste to the people who don't have it? We don't care. Hey, help yourself. Help yourself. Do all that. Hey, uh, sing and dance? We don't care. Raise your hands? We don't care. We, do, we don't care about any of that. The only thing we care about is you guys are all hooked on Jesus. And that irritates the life out of us. See, it's Jesus that irritates us. Get rid of Jesus. You can have religion, but get rid of Jesus. Believe in anything you want to believe. We don't care. If it works for you, we're for it. But don't talk about this Jesus guy. We're sick of the Jesus person because they were captured by Jesus. They weren't captured by a doctrine. They weren't captured by theology. They weren't captured by a church movement. They were captured by Jesus. They were absolutely mesmerized by this Jesus. They were all in, absolutely giving themselves. See, it was all or nothing for them regarding the Jesus person. Now, persecution has come to them. You talk about this Jesus again, and we're going to fix you. And as the story unfolds, of course, Stephen became the first martyr, stoned to death, all over the Jesus issue. Uh, James, in chapter 12, the apostle, gets his head cut off, all over the Jesus issue. Saul of Tarsus is riding into, into towns, and what's he doing? Capturing everybody who talk, names the name of Jesus, and takes them off to jail. So this is life-threatening. This is not, well, I, yeah, I guess I'll join. I can only come every other Sunday, though. See, it's not that kind of stuff. This is all-in, total, absolute abandonment, man. Life-or-death stuff, don't care. I'm in. Kind of stuff. That's the whole passage. Now, when you come to chapter 4, he repeats the state of the union. And if you look with me at chapter 4, verse 32, he begins to tell you that persecution has come now. And they've decided, hey, we're going to be all in. We're all out. I don't care. Live or die. This is where we are. So they went on in great boldness. And so in verse 32... He begins to give you this, what was happening in the early church. Now, was this a month later? We don't know. But hey, here it is. It says in verse 32, chapter 4, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. See, they were all in. Well, I don't like your hairdo. He's not talking about hairdos. Your nose is too big. Get off that, will you? It's all right. We don't care about that size of noses. We're not measuring. See, 
the issue is they were all in, in unity about the person of Jesus. And it says, listen to this, neither did anyone, this is verse 32, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, for they had all things in common. With great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus, and great grace was upon them, nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for he for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, laid them at the apostles' feet. This was what was going on in the early church. He says, now let me give you two examples of this. And the first example is verse 36. There's this guy by the name of uh, Joseph, who's also named Barnabas by the apostles. It was a nickname, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. What did he do? He had land. He sold it. He brought the money, laid it at the apostles' feet. Why? He's all in, man. It's 100%. I'm in. Now that's a positive illustration. Now he says, let me give you a negative. Ananias and Sapphira. They have this piece of land. They sold this thing. What'd they sell it for? I don't know. Doesn't say. Let's say they sold it for $50,000. Sold this land for $50,000. Now understand, Ananias and Sapphira are Jews in Jerusalem. All the Jewish faith offer sacrifices every day. Hour of prayer at four, three every afternoon. See, they're, they're, they've done this all their life. Feast days, feast of the Passover. See, they're into that. Old Testament, memorize the first five chapters. See, they got their Jews. So they're in. They believe. Then Jesus, they were involved in the crucifixion, no doubt. They, were, they may have seen the resurrection. Anyhow, they end up getting saved. They joined the church. We have turned from against Jesus. We've turned towards Jesus. We're in. So here they are. They've been filled with the Spirit. Pentecost has happened to them. Wow, this whole thing has taken place in their lives. And you look at it, and they're involved in the early church, doing all the things the early church does under the apostles' teaching and training. Everything that's going on, hey, they're there, man. They're there every Sunday morning. They're, they're ministering. They're, they're involved in the miracles. They're, they're teaching a class. They're, hey, they're in. They're in. They sold this land, 50,000. Yeah, we ought to give some to the church. So they come, and they say to Peter, we sold this land for 30000 And we're giving it all. They really sold it for fifty. What'd they do with the other twenty? Well, it's my money. Peter said that. It's your money. When the land was yours, it was yours. When you sold it the money... You could have come and said, hey, we sold the land for 50, but we had some bills we wanted to pay, so we're giving 30. See, it wasn't about the money. Well, what's it all about? You're not all in. You're messing with us. You're playing the game. You're doing this stuff, but your heart isn't. See, you don't burn in your bones. See, you're not. Yes, I, you don't love Jesus with your whole heart, see. 
Well, you lied. Yeah, they did lie. But it wasn't about the lying. It, well, it was, but it was, see, it wasn't lying. It was, you're not all in. You're not 100%. You're not, you didn't abandon yourself. See, this is, this is an add-on for you. This is a, well, yeah, it's good to have Jesus around. Don't want to go to hell. See, that, it isn't, oh, man, I'm 100%. Because the whole church, the whole tone of the early church is abandonment, totality, complete, absolute. I'm all in. Ananias, play the game. Now, one thing you see, just give you a couple ideas just right off the bat. One thing you see is concrete. The display of whether you're all out or not displays itself in the concrete physical evidence of my life. Now, we've talked about this before. See, here's the spiritual realm. There is a spiritual realm. What's the spiritual realm? Well, there's demonic forces, there's the angels, there's all that out there that you can't see. The unseen world is as real as the seen world, folks. And involved in the, in the spiritual, the unseen world is attitude. Well, I can't see your attitude. Except as it shows up in the fact you doubled up your fist and socked me in the mouth. <laughs> So the spiritual, you get this? The spiritual does what? Displays itself in the physical. No question about that. Now, the spiritual, well, I'm not spiritual. I don't have that. I just have the physical. That's not true. That's impossible. Whether you embrace it, whether you know it, whether you accept it, whether you say it or not, it doesn't matter. What you are inside and the spiritual realm of your life is displaying itself in the physical activities of your living. There's no way out of that. Now, when you come to this passage, here's Ananias and Sapphira. Well, they're good people. I know. Well, there's not, he's a nice guy. Give you the shirt off his back. I know. If you have a flat tire, he'll help you change it. I know. They're faithful to the church. I know. They're good Jews. Amen. They became Christians. Hallelujah. <laughs> See, they're all of that. Well, they're bringing $30,000 to the church. I know. Whack them on the back. Give them a plaque. Name a pew after him. I know. You're right. Except in the physical activity of their life, the spiritual incompleteness is demonstrated. And isn't it interesting? It's money. Oh, there you go, preacher, talking about money. He preaches always talking about money. Come on. We don't want your money. We've settled that. My wife is independently wealthy. We don't need your money. So, hey, we got that down. See, this is not, this is only as the physical becomes a display for your spiritual commitment. So that could show up in a variety of areas and, and, and we'll not get into that. But, see, what, where, when do you feel Think about this. When do you feel, which would be a spiritual thing, when do you feel inside, oh, 
Everything's okay. I'm secure. Well, when I got money in the bank, when all my bills are paid, when I got a secure job, I feel, well, you know what you've done? You've based your security on instead of What is that display? You're not all out, are you? You haven't jumped in with both feet. Because your security that you're seeking for and trying to build is founded. I got a job. I got my own place. I got, I got, I got, I got, I got. Instead of, oh, I'm his and he's sovereign and he's always taking care of me and he'll continue to take care of me. See, you haven't, see, it needs to shift. And hey, we're not against money. What, what we're against is it displays in our lives yeah, let me go to the next one. Compassion. It's interesting that this all-outness with Jesus, this, this merger with Christ, this, this coming together with him, this allowing him, he being the total focus of my life, not only shows up in my physical life, but it shows in, in concrete, but it shows up in compassion. Isn't it interesting that the whole deal, as you go through these uh, both, both sections, chapter 2 and chapter 4, of the state of the union of the church is they care about others. They had all things in common. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, nor was there anyone among them who lacked. What is that? We care about you. Well, why do you care about me? Because <laughs> I'm all out, I'm all in. It's because of him. See, why would I give a rip about you? Why would you care about me? See, the only reason I like you is because you're a plumber. And I got plumbing problems. See, if I can't use you. But see, something's different here. See, here... There's this, there's this focus on Jesus. There's all-outness. There's total abandonment. There's, I'm absolutely his. And in somehow being absolutely his, I begin to care about you. Okay. I begin to, whoa. In fact, this got so big that the early church in caring about each other, it got so complicated because they were giving their money and taking care. And, and, the, and as the church grew, they had to appoint seven guys full of the Holy Spirit and devoted men to oversee the compassionate ministry area. Otherwise, the apostles aren't going to have time to study and pray and do teaching and do all that because they're all... So, because there was this overwhelming care. Now, Ananias, here he is. Well, he cares. I know. He's a part of the early church, right? He's interested in helping people. Sure. Sold the land for 50,000, gave 30,000. Yeah. Why did he do that? See, he wasn't in. He wasn't total. It wasn't complete. He didn't really care. You know what he was after. Thank you. Thank you. I gave. Why else would he lie about it? 
Oh, let me give you the third thing. It's the communication. So there's this, this, this concrete, this compassion, this communication thing. The communication. See, your spiritual life will display itself in the physical. And your physical security. Your physical, what you're secure in. Has to be come out of here. And if you're really in, what's going to happen is, in the physical realm, compassion is going to begin to spill through you. Amen. You will begin to care. Which is why I don't kick you when you're down. Why? Because I care. And the communication that's going to come out of your mouth is going to be what? <laughs> well, you can see what happened to them. It says, verse 32 for instance, they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Amen. And with great power, verse 33, with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection. So they talked constantly, their message constantly was about Jesus. So again, there's this completeness, there's this all out persecution, the whole focus of the persecution was against Jesus. Don't talk about Jesus. But they couldn't keep still. So, I'm proposing to you that the reason he's put this story here is not to tell you give money. The reason he put this story here, the concept of the story, is all about this all in. It's all about this Come on, jump in with both feet. It's all about this totality. It's all about this completeness. It's all about this, I'm totally his. It's all about this total involvement. It's all about total abandonment. It's all about the engaging of the entire life in the person of Jesus himself. That that's what this story is really all about. Remember the Revelation thing? In the book of the Revelation, the resurrected Lord, ascended resurrected Lord, came and talked to seven churches. And uh, one of them was the church of Laodicea. And the message to Laodicea was this. Listen to this. I know your works. Hey, I know what you do. I know the, the length of prayers. I know how, how many chapters you read in the Bible. I know. I know your works. Hey, I know them. I know that in your works you are neither cold nor hot. I wish, this is the resurrected Lord, I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will, oh I'm glad we're not eating dinner, I will vomit you out of my mouth. What's he saying? You're not cold. You're not hot. You're lukewarm. You make me sick at my stomach. You make me want to throw up. If you're cold, I know where you stand. If you're hot, I get that. But this, this, I will not tolerate Get in or get out. You make me sick. 
me sick in a repulse me kind of a thing. But just you tear me up. Now what would you get out of that guys? That's our story. Ananias you're not cold. No. You're not hot. You're well, I brought 30,000. <laughs> but Ananias, what I wanted was, I wanted you all in. I wanted the passion of your heart to be me. I wanted you to be total. I wanted you to be absolute. I wanted you to jump in with both feet. Come on. In theological discussions, arguments, we call them discussions, but in theological discussions, uh, and by the way, I've had a lot of them. In fact, I hope this is, this is not arrogant on my part, but I've had so many theological discussions and questions that by this time, you can hardly ask me a question I haven't already has, had asked. And my, my personal observation is this. That every theological question, every theological issue, every argument at its core has one issue. How do you define, think about this, how do you define a Christian? When I come to you and say, I'm a Christian, what do you think that is? What is a Christian? How do you define it? When that is settled, all the theological garbage kind of settles down, fits into slots, comes together. And it all pivots on what is a Christian. Now, to tell you the truth, hey, we don't care whether you're a Christian or not. We do. We do care if you're a Christian. But if you decide not to be a Christian. I'm not going to go out and commit suicide. I mean, I want you to be. I do. Everything we're working for, everything we're doing, the whole focus of everything we're about here is we want you to be Christian. But if you say, I'm not going to be, fine, fine. We're going to love you. We're going to whack you on the back. We'll help you. We'll give you toothpaste. We'll do whatever we need to do. So we're not going to be upset. But the thing that upsets us more than anything else is don't you dare say I'm not going to be a Christian when you don't know what you're not going to be. <laughs> See you need to know what one is. So you can say oh this is a Christian. Well let me look at this. Do I want to be that? No. Okay. But wouldn't it be awful to say, I'm not going to be a Christian. Why? I've seen those churches down at the church and I've seen how, I've seen Ananias. Yep, yep, yep. That's a Christian. I'm not. Uh, well, see, you haven't found out what one is with. <laughs> so you need to see, you need to know exactly what a Christian is. Well, what exactly is a Christian? Well, it's not a belief system. It's not a series of doing stuff. It is this, and we're going to talk about this strongly. It's about this all-outness stuff. It's about this total, it's not sacrifices, it's not ceremonies. It's about relationship and it's about all being, it's all about all-in stuff. 
It's interesting, during Jesus' day, they just kept it making commandments. You know, to keep people straight, you've got to say, oh, don't do that. Oh, don't do that. Oh, do this. See, you, you got to, and you got to increase because we get more things. See, now we got iPhones, we got to make rules for iPhones. Now we got iPads, we got to make rules for iPads. Oh, now we got, and 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 we got more rules. So they had so many rules they couldn't keep them all, let alone know them all. So their arguments was, which is the great commandment? If I'm standing in front of a group of young people, what should I yell at them about? Don't take drugs! Don't drink beer! Don't have sex out of marriage! Are those the important things? Well, they're important. Well, yeah. But are they the most important? See what? So they got this lawyer. Matthew calls him a lawyer. Only time the word's used in the whole book of Matthew. He's normally called a scribe. But Matthew says he's a lawyer because he's skilled in debate. In other words, they picked out the best they had in debating. Because he could take your words and twist them. So they sicked him on Jesus. Go get him. So here comes this lawyer to take care of Jesus. He comes up to Jesus and says, What's the great commandment? And Jesus looked at him and said, and I know he did this. I can't prove it by the scriptures. But I can see Jesus standing there looking at the guy. What's the great commandment? And Jesus goes, brother. <laughs> and quotes to him, get this, quotes to him the scripture that they used every Sunday morning as a congregation. Quoted together every Sunday morning as a congregation to start their service. And Jesus and I said, What? <laughs> And he quoted that to him. And what's the scripture? Oh, you know it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The second is likened to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these hang the entirety of the law and the prophets. So what's the big deal? All out, guys. Loving with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Are you getting it? That's the big deal. That's the defining. Well, I'm kind of dumb. That's not in the picture. <laughs> well, I mess up a lot. That's not in the picture. I keep an eraser on my pencil. That's not, on the, that's not an issue. You know how many speeding tickets I've had? Let's not bring that subject up. That's not the issue. Well, what's the issue? Loving with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the issue. Now, that's the introduction. Here I want to give you the message. Oh, by the way, this one, uh, this brother, his life was in shambles, messed up, no security, no peace, no nothing. His, he was just in, he was just, it was bad. His sister, phenomenal Christian. Love Jesus, peace, security, life. So this brother looks at his sister and shakes his head and says, Sis, I'd give everything I have to have what you have. She turned to him and said, That's exactly what it'll cost you. <laughs> well, I only got 50 cents. That's what it'll cost you. I only got 30,000. That's what it'll cost you. 
Only got 50,000. That's what it'll cost you. Whatever the total is, that's what it's going to cost you. You cannot, you cannot. There's no half Christians. Well, I'm a half breed. <laughs> There's no half breeds. It's in or out. His or not his. There's no partiality in this. That's Christianity. That defines us. Now, here's the issue. Why is that? Why is it that way? What gives you the nerve to stand up before a bunch of people and say that? How do you know it's that way? Number one. The nature of relationship. Oh, I want you to get this. The nature of the relationship demands totality. Now picture this. Let's build a religion. Okay, over here it is. We're building this religion. Uh, what's the rules? Well, there's ten commandments. Uh, there's, uh, there's, uh, and here's the activity. What's the activities we're going to have? We're going to come to church every Sunday. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to pray. These are the things that mark out. Hey, we're going to treat each other decently. We're going to honest. We're not going to steal. We're not going to be on drugs. We're not going to drink beer. We're, hey, here we are. Here's, here's our Christianity. Okay. Now, will you join us? Now, that's a doing system. Do you see that? I'm a Christian. Why? I don't do that. I don't do that. Oh, I do that. And I do that. Therefore, I'm Christian. Now, do you know what that sets up? That sets up, well, I'm only half Christian because I only do half the things. Do you see that? It sets up better and worse. You're a better Christian than I am. Why? Because you go to church more than I do. See, you read the Bible more than I do. Therefore, you're a better Christian than I am. See, you gave, you gave, you, you only gave 30,000. I gave 50,000. Therefore, I'm better than you. Do you see that? See what that whole system sets up? Isn't it interesting that most of us in this place, that's the system we were raised in. And we define Christian by what they do. Therefore, because somebody sees me and thinks I did something, I did something that they didn't like, and they say, you call yourself a Christian. What's it based on? This system. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not Christianity. Christianity is over here, which is all about relationship. It's all about merger. It's all about the nature of God literally coming and living inside my body and merging with my inner spirit and literally Jesus and me becoming one and we begin to act as one, will as one, want one and in this oneness we begin to experience relationship with him and the only way that can take place is all out, all in, total, absolute giving myself to him. God is light 
in him is no darkness at all. Therefore, if God is going to come and live in me, there can be no darkness in, there's no hiding in that. There's no partiality. See, that can't be in the relationship. Now, that can be in this structure. Yeah, well, I messed up. Yeah, well, uh, hey, I went off on my own. Hey, I, but I got some things I want to do too. So I do some things God wants me to do and, some, and that can fit into this system. But it cannot fit into the relational idea. Should I go on? Yes, I should. Ananias! What's the problem here? He's still in this system. Well, I'm not that bad. Man, I gave him 30,000. Only kept 20 for myself. Yeah, I fudged on a little. What's the big deal? I'm better than the people who didn't give anything. That's this system. Peter says, hey, guy, you're not all out. You're not in. It's not total. We don't operate in that system. We operate in this. Relationship. So I'm telling you, the nature of the relationship demands absolutely 100%. Now let me give you a second idea. It's not only the nature of the relationship. I want you to get this. But it's the nature of reality. Now, Ananias, according to the passage, hey, it was his land. He could do with it what he wanted to do. The money is his. The land is his. There's no problem. There's no rule in the early church. You have to sell your land and give it to be a member. <laughs> See, that does that. No, there's none of that. Well, what's the problem? The problem is, the reality is, he says he is merged with Jesus. He says, the sovereign almighty Lord of, Lord of the universe has literally come and merged with my, his nature and my nature and I've become this new creature and in this relationship, I am under the influence of this Jesus. And I, uh, being under the influence of Jesus, must reflect all that that nature is. You didn't get that, did you? Let me read you a verse. This will clear it up. Listen to this. Paul said, Do you not know that your bodies, your bodies, bodies? Yeah, my hands, feet, we're talking bodies. My body, my bo your bodies are members of Christ. Whoa. You know what that means? That means that Jesus, this is relational now, this is not rule-oriented. This is relationship. That means that this Jesus has come and lived inside of me. And now my body, my nature, my spirit is merged with him and we are one. That means what my hand does. I'm bringing him in on it. Now listen to what he says. He clarifies this. Get this. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take a member of Christ and make him a member of a harlot? I'm going down to the prostitute. Well, what are you going to do? Leave Jesus behind? For if Jesus has come to fill you and he's involved in your, in your, and your body is his body and your heart is his heart 
and you're going down to a prostitute, you are literally bringing Jesus into a relationship with a prostitute. Yes. Well, Jesus can't do that. I know that's the problem. <laughs> do you see that? I mean, that, I don't know how, to make, how, how he could make it. In fact, listen to this. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. For he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Now, I've said this a thousand times from the pulpit. And it's basically true. There's some loopholes in it. But it's basically true. We don't care whether you drink or not. Psst. You want to drink? Help yourself. Well, I'm a Christian. Drink. Drink away. The only thing we insist on is if you're going to be a Christian and drink, for everyone you put down, you're giving one to Jesus. Why? Because he's merged with you. See, this is not rule-oriented. Oh, he doesn't want me to drink. Well, I'm trying. <laughs> No, this is, he has come and literally filled me and in merger with him, what I do, he does, what he does, I do. And in that oneness, but I got some things I want to do on my own. Fine, go do them. Have a big time. Hallelujah. But you can't be Christian and do that. That's the story of Ananias right here. Ananias. Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? Well, I'm not bad. I know. It was my money. I know. But see, you've got what you want to do and what Jesus wants you to do and who he is. And see, if you're not willing to come under the total influence of Jesus in your life, well, see, it's not about... It's not about right or wrong. Well, what's it about? It's about, I'd rather die than hurt you, Jesus. If you're going to dwell within me, I want a relationship with you so tight and so intimate that there's no walls between us. And hey, it isn't about whether I can or I can't. It's about you and what you want. See, that's an all-outness. That's a totality. That's a... It's interesting that the word in Pentecost, being filled with the Spirit, is the word used for sponge as well. You fill a sponge until a sponge is just soaked and dominated. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one, love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one, despise... You cannot, you cannot serve God and mammon. So I'm telling you, the nature of the relationship of, is, is a nature of intimacy and oneness. And that means it's got to be all out. And it means I'm coming under the influence. So it's the nature of reality. I'm coming under the influence of Jesus. And he's going to be the expression of my life. Last one, nature of result. Come on, there's always a result. There's always a consequence. <coughs> What's the consequence of merger? What's the consequence of, I'm not talking circumstances now. I'm not talking finances. I'm talking, I merge with Jesus. What does that, what does, what does his nature, what does his love, what does his strength, what does his depth, what does, what does, what does my involvement with him, what does that result in my life? <laughs> Ooh, 
you haven't got time. <laughs> okay, I'm not, hey, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to give 30000 and say, uh, I'm going to give 30000 and say I sold the land for that and keep twenty for myself. What, what does that give? Death. Well, I've lied and God didn't strike me dead. Well, we'll get into it, but God didn't strike him dead either. But he died. Could I suggest to you that everything outside of Jesus is continually bringing death to you? If I'm not merged with him in the relationship and under his total control in the reality so that his life is flowing through me and I'm yielding to him and I'm all in in his totality and I'm abandoning myself to him. If that isn't taking place, if I'm, if I'm out doing my own thing, if I'm, just, if I'm running wild, if I'm, just, if I'm just operating my own life, if I'm conning him, using him as they were doing... It always ends up in death, guys. Always ends up in death. Well, Manly, what are you trying to say? <laughs> all in. All out. 100%. Jump in with both feet. Abandon yourself. Abandon myself to what? The person of Jesus. Would you go on a quest? Would you go on a journey? Would you shove every other manipulative, conning, trying to get, figure out, well, I'll try this, I'll try that stuff. And would you just constant, would you give your whole self to Jesus and say, here I am. Let's go at it. That's Christianity. Wherever it takes me. Whatever it does. Well, you mean everything will work out in my life? No. You'll fall off roofs. No. It won't work out. See, you're not... It won't work out. You'll be boiled in oil. Hey... But that was the genius of it. While they were being fed to lions, guys, while they were getting their heads cut off, while Stephen was being stoned, he's, he's in this, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's something going on that's so big that it overshadows everything else. See, in your, my life and your life, everything else has overshadowed. Wouldn't it be something to have everything else overshadowed rather than overshadowing? <laughs> Man, I want this for you. Jesus, wow. All out for you. I, I, there's just no embarrassment in that. 
the wonder of who you are, the hugeness of your being, the greatness of your sovereignty, the dynamic of your love, the fact that you're always working for our behalf, in our behalf, the fact that you love us enough to die for us, the fact that there's overwhelming forgiveness, the fact that you have a plan for our life, the fact that you have brought destiny to us, the fact that you have a direction for our living that is, is designed by, by God, it blossoms our lives, the fact that fulfillment of our life is found in you. The fact of all of that demands God. Why would I, whoa, my face doesn't have to get red to look at anybody and say, go all out for Jesus. Jump in with both feet. Don't play the game. Come on, Ananias. Don't con. Heads are bowed. Uh, how are you going to end this? Well, like we normally do, altar call. Well, what's the big deal about the altar? No big deal. Piece of wood. Doesn't mean a thing. Well, why should I go down there? Because <laughs> there's one reason you won't come. You're embarrassed. What do people think? I'm not gonna. See, this is a sign of all outness. This is a sign. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what the judgments of anybody is. I'm in, man. I, I, I'm in. Jesus, I'm coming after you. H have you ever done that in your life? Were you just. You didn't come to an altar to con Jesus out of something. You didn't come for forgiveness. You didn't come for, oh, Lord, I need this. You didn't come because, oh, Lord, I got the coronavirus. You, you came because I just, I'm, I'm giving myself to you. I, I'm totally, absolutely jumping in with both feet. I sold the thing for 50000 and I'm giving the 50000 Here I am. Would you do that this morning? Don't rush into it. Don't, hey, 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 who? Back up. Hesitate. Think it through. This will cost you everything you got. When he gets done with you, you will have nothing left but life and love and security and peace. And you'll have nothing that's yours. So we're just going to wait a moment. Hey, really no pressure. Only what you feel inside. Nobody's judging anybody. Nobody, hey, come on. But here we are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kneel. I'm going to, man, I want all in. Want to join me?